Good morning, Bridge Church. Um, we are continuing in our fellowship series. Um, I just want to remind you that fellowship is the way we meaningfully connect with God, and that impacts how we also connect with one another. Um, listen, uh, last week we even learned that there's at least over 59 distinct ways that we should be treating one another the right way. But I want to kind of pivot a little bit today because the scripture also informs us about uh, several ways that we should not be treating each other. So I want to kind of get on that today. The reason why is because I don't know about you, but I feel the tension that's going on here um, in our country, um, even in, in this city. Wilmington itself has been in the national headlines several times already this year. There's tension between ethnicities. There, there's tension that is going on um, between political parties. There is tension um, that has happened between maskers and, and anti-maskers. There's tension between people that are protesting, and then there's people protesting the protesters. All right? It's, it's so much going on right now, and um, I just want to make sure, as one of your pastors, that we are taking our cues from the kingdom of God and not from the kingdom of this world. So listen, um, I kind of feel like right now, sometimes Christians, um, we kind of function like middle school boys right now. You're like, Pastor Chris, what are you talking about? Now, see, I used to be a middle school teacher years ago. And one thing about middle school boys is they don't know how they smell. All right. They think they're okay. But everybody else around them knows, like, hmm. It's been a while since you watched, bro. Now, listen, shout out to all the middle school boys out there that is keeping it fresh and keeping it clean. Appreciate you. Glad you know how you smell. But a lot of times they don't. And then sometimes they spray a little cologne on top of funk, and that makes it even worse. All right. So I'm here with the proverbial soap, if you will, today and a wash rag today. And Uncle Chris is going to say some some tough things. But the reason why is because God is not cool with this stench of division that is taking place. He's not cool with this. This is funky to him. He doesn't like this at all. And if anybody has been in conversation with me, whenever I see um, people, you know, saying something that might be foolish or saying something that's immature and I'm right in the middle of, of, of a sentence, you hear me, you know, I'm starting to talk about it. And I just say, stop, just, just stop, stop. That's, that's crazy. Pastor Ethan has noticed that several times in conversations in the past, I'll just, I'll just say stop. Um, and he says, hey, man, you know, at some point you probably need to do a sermon just called just stop or, or stop it. And I was like, hey, man, if we're studying the scriptures and that comes up, then I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. Guess what? Today is that day. All right. The title of the sermon today is stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. All right. See, we need to have a conversation about what we need to stop doing, okay? I want you to start thinking about it even as I begin uh, this sermon. I want you to, to begin to think about what are some of the things that we probably need to definitely stop doing um, as believers. Now, here's the thing. When the scripture tells us to stop doing something, we need to understand that it is not an elective, all right? It is not something that is optional. This is something that God is commanding for his people. And listen, even if you're, you're, you're here today and, and, and this morning and you're, you're not a believer, you haven't put your trust in Jesus, I still want to invite you in on this as well. Because for some of you, the reason why you haven't put your trust in Jesus is because you actually smell 
some funkiness around some Christians and you haven't been able to trust them yet because you're like, what, what is going on? Why, why, are they, why, why is it when it comes to this particular issue or when it comes to this, it, it just don't seem godly at all? Well, I want to invite you in because here's the thing. Even yourself, these might be some things that you need to stop doing because when you do it, you can be free. You can be free. So before I go any further, I, I just want to I just want to help you see where I'm at. I want to keep it 100 with you right now because one I, I am yes I am a pastor. I am one of the teaching pastors here at this church. But you need to understand also that that I'm a son. I, I I'm a husband. You know I, I I'm a brother. Okay. Um, I'm also <laughs> I'm a black man. Unapologetically is. Who I am, who God created me, who he created me to be um, is also who I'm going to be even in eternity because we know that every tribe and every tongue, every nation will be present in heaven. So this is who I am. But I need you to understand this. When we talk about fellowship, you know, our relationship with God and with one another, all these areas are impacted by what's happening in this world today. Every area of me being a husband and being a son and being a father and especially being a black man. See, these last nine months in 2020, it's been a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. I feel like I've been in a constant state of, of, of grief and shock. There, there's been several people that have passed away this year. I can name countless people. I, I, I think about John Lewis. He's, you know, one of the people that, that had a significant impact on the lives of many African-Americans in this country. But even if we even, even if we talk about Kobe Bryant and Chadwick Bo- Bozeman, see, Chadwick Bozeman, he he's my age. He was my age. He's 43 years old. Uh, we actually entered college at the same time. He went to Howard. I went to UNC. But I, I have some mutual friends that went to Howard that knew him. And the reason why it hurt to see him pass away is because my daughters, when, when they saw Chadwick Bosman, when they saw the, the guy that embodied Black Panther, it was more than just a movie. It was a marker. It was a movement. It was something that took place because for the first time that I can remember, there was a, a superhero that looked like me. All the superheroes for me growing up in my life, died. They, they, they didn't look like me. I would put the cape on like Superman. I, I would try to dress up like so many people. But at the end of the day, I, it, they didn't look like me. But here's a man that actually was the same exact age as me that had a serious impact on this world. Kobe Bryant also, serious impact on this world. And they're just gone, just snatched away from us. I've eulogized three people this summer. I lost three of my aunts. My wife and I have lost several cousins. We've lost friends of our family. I wasn't even able to kiss my mother as I watched her die from COVID-19. And then I'm watching my dad try to adjust to being a widower. One of my co-workers tragically lost his mother just uh, uh, less than a month ago. And at the same time, another one of my former co-workers lost her brother-in-law to the blast of the explosion that was in Beirut. And that happened within like the same week. It has been a tragic year for many of us. And the reason why I'm sharing all this with you is because sometimes some of us have this temptation 
to focus in so much on an issue that we miss out on the opportunity to engage one another. See, let me tell you something. Issues, they can't get saved. Issues can't get delivered. Issues can't come to faith in Christ. They're not going, issues are not going to get Holy Ghost filled. That's not what's going to happen with an issue. Are you more passionate about an issue than you are about your brothers and your sisters in Christ? Because I'm telling you something, your passion about that particular thing might be informing and forming your fellowship. There's some obstacles that we face with fellowship. And I know there's people in the world that are waiting to see, are we going to handle this different? See, last week, Pastor Ethan talked about those one another's. If you didn't listen, you need to go back, listen to that sermon. He broke them down um, into like four categories, love, unity, service, and support. Now, here's the thing. As, as we look at those, I was like, look at how pride crushes and begins to destroy those things. Our selfish pride uh, crushes us. It, it, instead of us loving one another, we begin to detest one another. And God is saying, stop. Instead of abiding in our unity, we start to encourage separation from one another, right? We need to stop that. Instead of serving one another, we begin to neglect one another, and we need to stop. Instead of supporting one another, we even disapprove of one another. That needs to stop. So I want to walk you through a passage today that I feel like, I feel like it draws out some of our prideful proclivities that we have. And instead of identifying with the protagonists, because that's what we love to do, right? We like to identify with the heroes in the story. I actually want you to take some time right now and identify with the antagonists in this story. Because it's a family problem that's happening here. It's the first act of superiority between family members. It's the first time we see someone not loving their neighbor as themselves. And I want you to watch how sneaky pride is. And what it does. But in the end, we're going to see that there's still some hope. So in Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we'll start there. It says, now Adam knew his wife and she conceived him before and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So let me be very clear from the jump, right? Really clear from the jump. What we normally miss in this narrative is the impact of our worship on our fellowship. We miss the impact of our worship and how that impacts our fellowship. Now, what is worship? Worship in its most simplest form is reverence of God. There's a lot of different ways that you can worship God. You can worship him through the way that you give. You can worship him through um, the way that you sing. You can worship him through the way that you treat other people. It's how, how do you show reverence in doing that? See, when the object of your worship is off, 
it will impact everything and everyone around you. And I really feel like most of the dysfunction that we see and most of the division that we have right now in our culture is because of this thing called idol worship. And what it is, is, is that is our focus is on our desires and not God's. See, th- that's the reason why things get taken too far. Like patriotism here in America. See, it's taken too far when that becomes something that you worship, when that becomes something that you reverence, when you try to turn a flag into something that is not. Let me, let me remind you, God is not sharing his glory with anyone. He's God and God alone. That's why the first commandment says, you shall put no other gods before me. The only person at the right hand of the Father is Jesus. Okay? On the same token, some people take it to the other extreme. They care nothing about the country that they're in. They want to see the country destroyed. And we know that Jeremiah lets us, reminds us, even if you're ex- exiled into a city, he says, seek the good of the city. You're not trying to, to destroy it. But what happens is when you reverence this thing, if it's, if it's America, that becomes a problem. When you demonize this thing called America, that's a problem. See, God is more concerned with our heart behind worship than the form of worship. See, true worship must be what God will receive, not what you want to give him. Not what you want to give him. In other words, in other words, you can't come to God any kind of way you want to come to God. See, Abel's heart was focused on pleasing the Lord. But see, Cain, he wanted God to accept him on his own terms. That's why you need to be very, very careful about the hills that you're willing to die on. Even if it's a good thing. Because listen, when a good thing becomes a God thing, it will destroy you. When a good thing becomes a God thing, it will destroy the relationships that you have even around you. See, listen, Cain was doing a good thing. He was bringing an offering to the Lord. There's nothing wrong with bringing an offering to the Lord. But there was something else happening with his heart in the offering that he gave. That's why, like, even the issue that you stand for, that you might even find in the scripture, it's a good thing, but it's still never ever needs to become a God thing because that's when it becomes dangerous and that's when it will get to that point where you reverence that thing so much that you actually end up hurting the people that the issue is even about. That's why Jesus said we must worship him in spirit and in truth. You need to seek the spirit's guidance even on a good thing. Even if you're talking about being uh, uh, coming against abortion, you still better understand uh, that that's not something that you better worship. You need to worship God and worship God only, only. Even if it's anti-racism, you need to make sure you don't worship that thing because it is not a good master to serve. You need to serve Christ and Christ alone. So the first thing that we need to stop doing is this. Stop ignoring the word of God. When you ignore the word of God, you're ignoring the voice of the Lord. Every worldview that we have, 
If we want to talk about your view on race and ethnicity and politics and all these different things, most of us, if we're honest, our experience, what we've learned in school, what we've listened to on news programs, whatever, that's where we've gotten our worldview from. And a lot of times we try to find scripture to patch in place to continue to make our point. It did not come grounded in the scriptures. You need to understand way before there was capitalism, way before there was socialism, way before there was any other issue that you want to talk about, God existed. Before the foundations of this earth, before there ever was a country called America, God existed and he had a worldview that he wanted his people to have. That's the kingdom. That's what we're talking about. See, God is saying, stop, stop. Just take a minute and just stop. Because there's something at the door. Like you notice he said, he said, sin is crossing at the door. What door? What door is he talking about? He's talking about the door of your heart. It's been there. He said it's crouching, it's lying in wait for you. It does not have your best interest in mind, even though you believe it does. Because listen, what it wants to do is it wants to rule you. But God is saying, I've given you the power to rule it. See, in other words, it's slavery that's at the other side of this door of your heart. Now, here's the thing. Do you want to be a slave or do you want to fight for freedom? See, God is always provide a way of escape whenever there's some temptation that is there. He's always done that. So let's keep reading, though. Let's see what happens. Remember, I want you to look at Cain's heart because that's what we should be identifying with right now. Verse 8 says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. He spoke to him, and then he killed him. Now, I've never murdered anyone physically, but I will admit that I have murdered people with my words. I've murdered people with my words. And if some of you have siblings, um, you probably had murderous thoughts at times too. But what's, what kept you from killing, actually killing your sibling? It's because you have an intrinsic value for your family. You know at the end of the day, that's my brother. That's my, that's my sister that's right there. See, the problem is, as believers and as fellow image bearers of Christ, we forget that, y'all. We forget that everybody is made in God's image and likeness, and they're all our brothers and our sisters. We all came from the same two people, Adam, Grandpa Adam, and Grandma Eve. That's why when you look at Galatians 5, look at this, Galatians 5, 13, it says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. See, God is trying to get you to understand you came out of something. You came out of some slavery. He says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve, here you go, one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here we go. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In verse 15, the word bite right here, it means to wound the soul. Sometimes we get so passionate and so, so, so drawn out about certain, get worked up by so much stuff, you talk to people like you're trying to wound their soul. 
It says devour. That means to eat with force. It's like a wild animal on its prey. It's basically saying this. Stop destroying one another. Stop. Just stop trying to destroy this person. Why do you hate them so much? There's a lot of biting and devouring and consuming happening. And you say, Chris, I'm not that. Pastor Chris, I'm, that's not who I am. Ah, your social media don't say that. When I look on Twitter, Twitter got to be one of the most hate-filled platforms I think I've ever seen. There's just so many angry dudes and angry people on Twitter. Like, they got a right to be that way. They got a right to, to bite, a right to devour, a right to consume one another. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. Social media platforms, people are using them all the time um, to make their points. And here's the thing. If you can't handle it right now, you need to cut it out. Because I can tell that you're not ruling over it. It is ruling over you. If we just looked at your last 20 posts, what does that say about God? What, is, what, what does that really say about the Lord? See, remember, there's people that are looking that don't know Jesus. They haven't trusted Jesus. But they're looking at you. They're looking at what you say. Is important. And look at what's most important to you. Remember that Cain killed his brother because he was vertically off. He was angry with God, and that caused him to be horizontally off, and he became angry with his brother. Let's keep looking at this. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen to this. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. It's like God is saying, Abel, his life matters. I can hear it crying from the ground. And it keeps getting worse because Cain didn't learn from his parents' mistake. They did the same exact thing. It's almost like this cycle is repeating itself. See, in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 10, it says this. It says, put to death. Put to death. Now, isn't that interesting? <laughs> While you want to put somebody else to death, if, if all these people would just get this right, if they would just get this issue together, if we could just get rid of all these people that think this way and do this, if we could just put that... Look at our heart. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And here's the thing. I'm going, we're going to throw some other stuff in there, too, because it's here in the scripture. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. All this, he says, is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming because God is good. In these, you too once walked. Listen, we're, we're Cain in this story, right? When you were living in them, verse 8, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9, here's the kicker. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self and been renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. See, verse 9 reminds us something else that needs to stop. We need to stop lying to one another. Stop lying 
to one another. You're like, I, I don't really lie that much. Listen, it's not about just telling a lie. It's about you spreading falsehood about someone. It's you talking about your opinion so much that you're even making up stats about things because you just want to make your point so much. You're lying. That's lying. You're not telling the truth. That's what you're doing. And then you're doing it in anger and you're doing it in wrath and malice. Like it says here, would have seen talk. And the Bible says this, it, it, look, even in gossip, the whole problem with gossip is it's dangerous because it's hearsay. It's basically a lie. And God is saying, stop. Stop. Put it to death. Stop lying to one another. But here's something I don't want you to miss. In verse 9, God asked a powerful question. He said, where is Abel, your brother? Can I ask you that same question today, church? Do you know where your brother is? Do you know where your brother is? Are you concerned about your brothers the same way God is concerned about your brothers? Are you concerned with your sisters the same way God is concerned with your sisters? What if I asked you right now, where is your black brother here in Wilmington? Where is he? Where is your Latino brother here in Wilmington? Where is your Indian brother? Where is your Vietnamese brother? Where is your African brother? Where is your white brother? And we can take it a step further. Where is your Haitian brother? Your Middle Eastern brother? That's why we send people out, not just in, our, in the nations, um, not just in our neighborhoods, excuse me, but in the nations. Because God is that concerned that these people that are unreached need to know and hear and understand the gospel. And he's asking us, are you concerned? Do you know where they are? And listen, God knows their geographical location. He knew this. He's asking his brother because he knows his brother's heart is not right about his other brother. See, Abel never got a chance to live his life. We could argue that his life got cut short due to injustice. He was out there worshiping God, minding his own business, and the last person that he probably expected, a fellow image bearer, his own brother, murdered him. And brothers are still murdering each other to this day. But let me, let me, let me, let me say something to you for a minute. Because I'm going hard right now on, on all, all, all our sin and all the things that we need to do. But I do realize that there's a lot of people that's been hurt by other people's sins. Just like Abel for a minute. And I just want to tell you something right now. If you've been a victim of injustice, if you've been a victim of, of someone else's sins, if you've been a, 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 of their lies, of their abuse, let me remind you about something. Let me remind you that their issue is not directly with you. It's with God. And because their issue with God has manifested, it has impacted you. That's why reconciliation has to involve God. God has to be a part of this because until you get your heart right with God, it's going to be very difficult for you to get your heart right with all the people right here. This is the reason why David said, against you and you only have I sinned and done evil 
in your sight. Now, the first time I read Psalm 51.4, I said, mm, David, no, nah, it wasn't just against the Lord. You committed a sin against Bathsheba, a married woman, um, and her husband. You had him put on the front line and you had him killed. Uh, that, that was not just against the Lord. That, that was against them. I, didn't, I actually disagreed with that when I read that. But then I began to understand what was happening. See, here's the thing. Until David got right with the Lord, all these other relationships didn't even matter. Because on Judgment Day, Uriah, Bathsheba, they're not going to be standing beside God pointing at David. It's going to be God and God alone. And I'm so glad with all the people that I've sinned against, all the people that I've said things to, all the people that I've offended, they're not going to be standing on judgment day pointing their finger at me either. It's God who will judge me. That's why the thing that we need to do is stop judging one another. Stop judging one another. I'm not saying, listen, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying not to make wise decisions. Um, uh, about who to trust in your life. I'm not saying that you should stand against injustice and uh, fight for, for, for righteousness because justice and righteousness, that, do, that does come together. But please, please make sure that you're fighting from a place of freedom. Please make, make sure that you're not, you're, you're not trying to free people when you're a slave yourself. The reason why is because God is a perfect judge and we're not. That's why in Romans 14 verses 12 and 13 it says so then each of us will give an account of himself to who? To God. You're not going to give that to your accusers or anyone else. Because Satan if anybody is accusing anybody it's him. He's the accuser of the brother. But in verse 13 it says therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide to put a but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And I just want to encourage y'all, especially anybody that is like an anti-masker, you read Romans 14, read the whole chapter and ask yourself, am I trying to represent Jesus in the midst of this? As we finish this narrative, we see that Abel's voice was not silenced. It cried out from the ground. God acknowledged him. Then he deals with Cain. Let's finish this verse up right here. It says in verse 11, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We got to face it. There's no pretty end to our sin. Sin separates you from the presence of God and it separates you from others. The land of Nod meant the land of Wandering. That means Cain became a nomad. But God. Yeah, I need somebody to say it with me. But God. He's rich with grace. The first sign of hope that we see in here is that Cain in verse 13 and 14 acknowledges that I deserve this. 
I deserve the punishment that I have. So much so that I know when I go out here for what I did to my brother, somebody else wants to do that to me. And when God saw that, God said, no, no, not so, not so. See, what happened is Cain finally stopped. God had been telling him, stop, collaborate, and listen. That's what, the, that's what he had told. But he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And the brother finally stopped. Let me tell you this right now. If you're here and you're not a believer, this is the first step in you coming to Jesus. First thing that you need to do is that you need to stop. And I, as much as this sounds like Cain needed to have a behavior modification, that's not what it was. It was a heart modification that he needed to have. It wasn't about the offering. It was about the heart behind the offering. See, God wants you to stop being a slave to, 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 to sin, and he wants you to be a slave to righteousness. And this is called repentance. This is what repentance is. You're turning around. You're doing a one, and you stop, and you do a 180, and you turn around, and you're going in another direction because you put your trust in Jesus. You believe that he lived a life uh, that, that, that you couldn't live, and he died a death that you deserve to die and you begin to follow him. He says, if you follow me, I will be the one that make you. I will make you a, a disciple. I will make you a fisher of men. Now, let me just end here for the body. For those of you that profess Jesus. Before you go off on another rant about this issue that you have. Before you justify yourself. I pray that you rest in the justification that you have in Christ. Before you begin to justify, you need to just stop, collaborate, and listen to the Lord. You need to make sure you're not ignoring what he's saying. Make sure that you're not destroying the persons that you're talking to. Make sure that you're not lying to them and spreading slanderous things about them. Make sure, ultimately, that you're not judging them. I... I, I I got to end here. See, one of the major problems with COVID-19 is that there's people that are asymptomatic. That means that there's this virus that is killing people, it's taking people out, it's making some people sick, but there's some people, when they get around it, it doesn't impact them at all. Now, to be honest, that's a blessing, you know? But if the disease... Imagine if you came into contact with someone that actually was a life-giving spirit. What if you came in contact with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit? The worst thing that you could become then is asymptomatic. Listen, there should never be a such thing as an asymptomatic Christian. If you came into contact with the God of this universe, there should be fruit. That's why Jesus told his disciples, hey, you see these Pharisees over here? There needs to be fruit with their repentance. You ain't got to judge them. I got that. I'm a good judge. I got that. But he said, but you're going to know them by their fruit. So I want to ask you today, believer, 
What is the fruit of your humility producing? If, if politics is not your God, then how, when am I going to see some honor across the table? When am I going to see some fruit across the table? If, if, if we're anti-racist, if we're, racism has been repented of and superiority is repented of, how different should our tables be looking? How different should our interactions begin to look? What's the fruit of our repentance? What's the fruit of turning away from sexual immorality? What's the fruit? Where is it? This is what God is asking us. And you can do that through Christ. Pray with me.